I'm Mickey. I use they them pronouns and this is a podcast called Mapping East Fan. Everything that I do on Turtle Island, colonially known as North America, is done as a squatter, a settler on stolen land. Not only the violence of gentrification, but capitalism and the idea of land as property and all of the systemic violence we know on this land can be traced to a root in colonialism, in that original European claiming of land and everything upon her. What you'll hear later is a discussion between classmates and teachers in an online class for Emily Carr University part of a brainstorming workshop to listen to one another's stories of East Van. Emily Carr herself is an artist who helps tell the colonial stories that indigenous people are part of a dying culture that she was somehow preserving through her paintings or that indigeneity and indigenous nations are some sort of homogenous people. As well, like Lawrence Paul Lipton said, It still holds true. Why would they show an indigenous artist when they can show Emily Carr? The presence of our new campus in East Van is part of a gentrification project, a kind of doubling down on colonization in global capitalism, and in the same practice also neglects a fundamental aspect of the decolonization that all these so-called property owners have yet to show they're ready for. Giving the land back. I also wanted to apologize in advance for the audio quality in this episode. It's going to be slightly lower than right now and in the future episodes uh, due to the fact that I was recording a group call. I encourage you to listen to it, but if it isn't your vibe, just... Skip on to the next episode and you'll find something different. What kind of comes to mind when I say this is East Van? Okay. Enigma. Class. Maybe it's cheesy, but I think about that East Van sign. Who was it? Like Ken Lom or whoever? Ken Lom. Covered streams. How about dehumanization? One word that comes to mind. I'd say community. Is there any kind of associations with people that people have? Like, is... Is our school part of that community? Perhaps <laughs> less so. <laughs> definitely much more than, that's definitely an arts community for sure. But maybe Emily Carr isn't directly connected to the one I'm thinking of. Immigration. East Van or Strathcona used to be a hunting ground and the highway for Musqueam people. Yeah, well, it was a, like where we are, where the school is, it used to be an estuary, right? So the, the indigenous people would go there and to hunt the, uh, the animals that would go to the streams. And they would also collect crab and other um, shellfish. Mm-hmm. And this was before they paved over the flats, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like originally, I have a really interesting essay I can send you. It's really about the Strathcona Gardens. But it talks about how at first it was indigenous land and it was part of their um, yeah, hunting. And then it was taken over by the CN Railway. Mm-hmm. And then it was sort of like um, homeless people were living there. 
Um, and then it became, like, it sort of has this really fascinating history. It's just that, um, the Strathcona Gardens. But what I found most interesting was, as Kieran says, that it was for thousands of years a hunting ground. So I happened to do some looking up about this afterwards, and I did not find anything on the Musqueam significance specifically, um, at least about this area on the Musqueam Nation website. Though, of course, this is not the end-all be-all. In terms of accessible self-representation, looking there, on their declaration put out in 1976, it does include the area of these lands and waters, but nothing too specific. On a map made by Kui Atzlamech, a Squamish Nitchum, or Language Arts Society, this was shared with me through a Vines Festival land acknowledgement in 2017. Um, they referenced this map, which shows an area called Squatchais, which means water that comes up from below, according to a couple of the translations. And it is translated in colonial language as the False Creek Mudflats. For some reason, when I think of East Vancouver, I think of families are more connected, but this could be just my imagination. I feel like families over there are closer together. Do you know what kind of gives you that impression? I, I have just... a feeling. I used to live over there and uh, I just felt there was a difference between uh, West Vancouver and, and, and East Vancouver. Families were really <laughs> part of, or of their little bubble. <laughs> which I didn't feel on the other side. But at the same time, it's about density, right? Like if you're in East Van, the houses are closer together. Whereas on the West side, there's a lot more space between the houses. So I think part of that's also about density and uh, real estate. That has to do with real estate more than people. I think the community of the family is closer together in in East Vancouver. I don't know if I can say that. I just think about hipsters. Outsider perspective, I've only lived here for two years and I don't spend very much time over there. That's valid. It's expensive. There's a lot of coffee shops. It's crowded. It's hard to turn left. Hmm. There's um, also like Africville, like the history of, you know, different communities that have lived there that uh, got torn down for, um, for corporate, for real estate reasons. Yeah. And Africville is, I'm, I don't think I'm too familiar where... Where the Georgia Viaduct is now. Yeah. Going, in, going along oh, yeah. Union Street. Yeah. And um, uh, prior, mm-hmm. isn't that Hogan's Alley? Mm-hmm. So it was a community, a uh, very um, lively um, community. Uh, a lot of the um, what do you call the, the the people on trains that look after the porters? Uh, the porters, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a um, a history of uh, African Canadians working on the trains. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they would live. Also, like, you know, a lot of them lived there. 
Okay, so during that talk, I was mentioning the sleeping car porters who were mostly black folks that lived in the Strathcona neighborhood. Um, I was misremembering some things slightly, so I just want to read directly a quote from the Virtual Museum of Canada that clarifies a little bit more. They say the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters was an all-black union that is one of the great success stories in Canadian black history. In 1942, under the brilliant tutelage of African-American labor leader A. Philip Randolph, it established divisions in Montreal, Toronto, Winnipeg, and later in Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver. And on May 18, 1945, it signed its first collective agreement with CP Rail. With this agreement, porters' wages and times off were increased, and their total hours on the job were reduced. This marked the first time that a trade union organized by and for black men signed an agreement with a Canadian company. Does, does this subject of us being, like, at least for me, the idea of us being in East Van is something that doesn't come up in classes very often, and, like, what that means doesn't, doesn't really come up. Um, I wonder if that's the experience for folks here, or if it's something different, maybe. Great question. I guess, like, I've never thought about Emily Carr being in East Van because my understanding of East Van is that you have to be like on the right side of the East Van sign but mm -hmm. that's just like how I always someone explained that that way to me and I moved here and I was like cool that's East Van over there and this is um, what's it called uh, Mount Pleasant over here so mm -hmm. Is Mount Pleasant not considered part of East Van? I don't. It's just what I always thought is that like it, it's it's it's. I always thought East Van was like a neighborhood, and if I'm looking at this map, it's on the other side of Clark. It's not mm -hmm. East Van. It starts at Quebec. If you think about the the addresses, it's at Quebec that it becomes East Van. Yeah. So between Maine and Canby, there's that that point, and that's you're saying that's the boundary there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, it's it's not just where that um, sign is. So mm -hmm. just to, but that that's such a great question um, of whether that that comes up because mm -hmm. it's such a charged historical area um, that uh, you raising this um, really that it's not talked about is 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 a really powerful point. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting you say that because when we first moved to, to the new campus, I had come up with an idea for a course where it was just about exploring the area around Emily Carr. And then I started thinking about what are the um, monuments, both culture monuments, but also natural monuments, as a way to think about a, like a field trip where every day you go to a different site mm -hmm. and you learn about the history of the area that you're in in some way, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, a social uh, uh, geography, right? This yeah. this practice of understanding where you are and bringing that history to the fore, 
being very specific and also the layers of, of a place like so that we can start from the streams that have been covered or you know the thousands of years of hunting in this area um mm -hmm. the animals that were here all the way in, and, and then social histories the immigration the waves of immigration like there's so many layers that mm -hmm. um that we really need that course randy mm -hmm. it also reminds me i went on a tour a bike tour um and it was about deep time and shallow time of this area we cycled mm -hmm. around and the deep time that ingrid's talking about but also the shallow time of colonialism and uh, a kind of like we're only dealing with the surface as property investment, right? So I thought it was an interesting term, the idea of shallow time and deep time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's still another layer. Um, suddenly, with the race in uh, real estate prices, that the children of the rich people in the west side could not afford to live over there and they started moving to Israel. Suddenly East Vancouver started having a less I don't know how you can say a less bad reputation or it was mm -hmm. improving in the scale, in the sociological scale, because mm -hmm. now these rich kids were moving over there or or the professionals that could not afford to leave in which was supposedly to be their arena mm -hmm. in the west started to move to the east mm -hmm. and that's interesting because you were mentioning mount pleasant before like mount pleasant is one of those neighborhoods that has been transformed by development in the recent years right okay so there was a part here which i said some things that were correct in idea but slightly off in who invested where so I'm going to clarify now based on looking back at my research. I thought what Carolina said was interesting because we were mentioning Mount Pleasant before. The same people who are donating to our school are also the ones who are changing what East Van, such as Mount Pleasant, and of course here around the campus and even in downtown East Side, they're changing what it looks like without asking or extending resources for who was here first. And we know their names for all of the things named after them in the school. So, Ian Gillespie, like the design faculty, owns West Bank Court, and they bought a big chunk of Mount Pleasant in 2016. There's more. One of the developers of South Flats, that's Low Tide Properties, is owned by Chip Wilson like the Chip Wilson Plaza. Libby Leshgold, whose family created Reliance Properties. Yeah, there's going to be a whole episode on this at some point. But my point is, this is not out of their own hearts. Clearly, this is part of a greater investment. Okay, so then we went to breakout rooms where myself and three other people who showed their work that day went into a space on our own to debrief about what we thought about each other's projects and have a bit of a smaller group discussion. I've decided to include, with Brenda, when she and Rebecca's permission, the section about mapping East Van, my project. You'll also get to hear me and Rebecca talk about Oppenheimer Park and KT Tent City in a couple of episodes after this. 
I have a, a question about your map because I kind of understood like when I arrived, but the yellow uh, frame mm -hmm. that is just the part of Isban because for my understanding oh. is like from Cordoba oh, no. maybe that one to was, like, where I live. It's just a neighborhood. It's like we're in the South Flats neighborhood. So I just outlined the South Flats neighborhood because I was reading this like developer proposal that was like the South Flats neighborhood borders are Main Street, oh, yeah. Prior Street, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, okay, I'll put that down. That's how one person understands it. Um, and it's like, I don't know. Like, like, what's up? <laughs> uh, like I want to know if I where I live is is banned now because I'm confused. I live in Kingsway, kind of. Oh yeah. Like yeah. yeah. So I wanted to say that for me has been home. Like mm -hmm. that's the meaning that I give it to Isban. Like it's been my home. I first lived like as in a street like uh, up from the school, so mm -hmm. Broadway. Rebecca showed us a framed print of a drawing of the East Van Cross by Wan Kang on a shelf behind her. Oh my god! Yes, I love it. I saw that in the other class, Rebecca, and I found it really pretty that you had that, like, that mm -hmm. you see home. Yeah, actually, yeah, Rebecca, I wanted to tell you that, like, the other class that I saw your <laughs> Did it break? Yeah, sorry, sorry. Like I cut into you, Brenda. But no, no, no. But I was, I was talking about it. But this is cool because I wanted to say that when, Rebecca, are you from Vancouver? No, no, no. I'm from so, China. Yeah. So, uh, when I saw Barry in your like uh, your frame, your screen the other day, I was like, wow, Rebecca, feel at home. In Eastman, and it was really meaningful to, to me that you have that because you identified that as your home. And that's like what I wanted to say that for me has been home. First, mm -hmm. I lived in Broadway and and then mm -hmm. I lived <coughs> in Night. And mm -hmm. then I moved to near to school in a really fancy flats that okay. are like in front of Olympic Village mm -hmm. because I was lucky just. And then I moved here to a house. and. Mm -hmm. I think it has been my house and my home in Vancouver because before I lived six years ago, I lived in downtown and it feels kind of cold, like it's kind mm -hmm. of cold. And here in Isban, I have my friends live here now and I used to dog walk, like dogs, yeah, dog walking. And I get to talk with people in the community and I love the diversity of it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it, I used. I, for me, it's home, and, and yeah, yeah, I, I wanted to say something else, but you're, I know that you don't want to, like, talk about maps itself, but I had this conversation a long time with a friend, friend about maps and how they are built to connect or construct community, right? Because mm -hmm. the streets of Mexico, they are more warm, like, if you see to a map, they like are more warm. The streets mm -hmm. of France, they are constructed in a way that they all go to the center, right? So I wanted to ask you, uh, like I know that you say that maps don't really show something, but maybe they show how like we kind of sometimes not feel like a community or, or home 
in Vancouver because it doesn't have connection because everything is industrialized and it's how is even the maps built or draw. What, what type of house is a Vancouver uh, special house? <laughs> Uh, you can put like you can Google it, Vancouver, uh -huh. because if not, I can share my screen and I can Google it. But you, if you Google Vancouver Special House, and I think that they are more in Isban. Yeah. Oh, I know. Ken Long did a like a, a like a public art piece of Vancouver Special House in, um, you know that semi-public space in Chinatown. It's an open mm -hmm. area. Like, it, I think the place is managed through 221A library. So yeah. follow up, is Chinatown and the gas town part mm -hmm. of downtown east side? It's part of East Van. Downtown East Side is the like um kind of modern name for the industrial neighborhood. It used to be called the industrial neighborhood because it was all like factories and like um and processing plants and these things no residents no so do you think that the first people who were like moving to Isban were those people who work in those industries mm -hmm. that is generally the first people that were like moving into East Van as an area that we know it now but also keep in mind like um like we were mentioning before, like South Flats is a very like modern thing. They they paved over that place where our indigenous people are hunting. I don't know. I don't even know what the word estuary means, but I imagine it's some kind of natural place. And they like this was in just early 1900s. They pave all of this over. So now that becomes part of East Van because it's a part that people can make into like a metropolitan kind of area right it's about like the way that we use the space too i think is where we define like east van and not east van and it's interesting also with like um with aaron's mention of like the fact that we are not east van and mount pleasant is not east van i was like the well it's the idea is that i've kind of been learning and it's kind of something that I knew growing up too because as a teenager that's where it was at like I was hanging out there as a teenager all the time the place that is considered East Van is generally the part that's considered to be more poor and the part that you consider to be downtown and West End is the rich part and so like once once these areas like Mount Pleasant like South Flats they're being developed then people now don't see them as East Van you see what I'm saying yeah. That's super classics. That is that. And mm -hmm. it's just a bit. <laughs> I, I agree. Like, those, like, like, we all have those chips for our culture, you know? Like, inside, but I don't like those kind of things. Yeah. Okay, I have a little note from my other art history class. Do it. It says, Fourth Creek used to be called Snog, S-N-A-U-G, meaning sandbar. It was a fertile area for coast Salish peoples. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna put that one down. Yeah. Let me see some of the so it just remind me, do you remember the first uh, Chinese the people like who Im like, immigrate to Canada, like they live in the East of Van too, like mm -hmm. in Chinatown. In, yeah, in Chinatown. And the yeah. building has been banned right now. So just remember that. 
That is the gold rush, right? In 1982, the gold rush. Um, well, Chinese people actually settled here as a part of um, building, for... yeah, labor for the railway. Yeah. Yeah. No. Which I mean, they don't call it slavery, but that was slavery, honestly. They used but they to get paid. No, but they used to pay them less than a dollar per week or something, and mm -hmm. it was nothing. And for them to come here. They needed to pay like five hundred dollars mm -hmm. per person who came into mm -hmm. the country. It's like that. Simple. And you weren't even allowed to leave. Like they would take away all of your papers, all of your passport, all of your belongings, and not give it back to you until you finish the job. And as well, I knew, like, because I went to these stories, uh, uh, walk about the hiding stories of Vancouver, mm. that people would always like the Vancouver, like. Born people always associate is banned with opal, hmm? opio, opio, opium, opium, opium. Yeah. And yeah, like a drug. Yeah. yeah. It's totally a racist kind of point of view. Like we don't have drugs everywhere. I know, I know, but they associate that like, so they put in the news. If you don't want to, your like your daughter to be involved in those, you cannot date people from there. Mm -hmm. Because the news wa was like the newspaper said the opioid all, all came from China. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But, but it is like it is like it is true to an extent because the the drug is like imported from China. Like at least not of all of them though. Like, yeah. Um, now we that's the reason why we have war in the Middle East is like because of opium and oil because like Iran in particular has very long history of harvesting opium and being part of like Silk Road and that kind of thing. So, but it's also like, honestly, it's, it's, it's a racism thing also because it's like associating like all Chinese people with being opium addicts. And it's like associating also like, East Van was also like a racially segregated neighborhood you know, or a group of neighborhoods. Strathcona, in particular, was one of the only places that non-white people could live. Um, and so, like, that association of crime with that area is, like, it's also, like, who, who's the market for these? Who's buying these people's drugs? It's the rich white people, you know? They're just as complicit, but nobody goes calling them, saying they're, like, drug addicts or nothing. Like, this, don't date a white person because they smoke opium and buy opium no it's always like this kind of racial association you know what is opium opium opioid are we talking about opioid or opium well <laughs> opium is the original from the plant right yes. so it's from a poppy from a poppy plant yeah and actually if you go to the murals in chinatown you will see that there is murals with poppies it's like are you talking about the anti-Asian riots in like 
so because there were many people as now living in one apartment mm -hmm. because I think so, this is something that I also think that history repeats itself and a lot of Mexican at, at least I can talk for like where I come from a lot of Mexican people come and they live like 10 people in one apartment and it's the same as I used to be before with the like, Chinese people coming Right. And just a couple of thoughts that I want to leave with. What does it do to have students here? A university. How do we raise the property values just by being here? Who does that benefit? Not most of us taking out loans to be here and being paid minimum wage to do murals. Maybe some of us will be lucky enough to work for one of these moguls one day. But in the meanwhile, we will be displaced, just like the folks who were here before us. Folks who still are not getting their needs met. The big question is now, what can we do about it? How can we use our place here to resist? If you have any questions, comments, want to collaborate or add your story to this map, please email mappingeastvan at gmail.com. This episode is also part of a series on digital and creative knowledge sharing, which is a series put out by Emily Carr University. So I'll link that in the description below. I also wanted to thank Andromeda Monk for providing the music for this episode. The songs that you can hear are from her album Breathing Machines and you can find her on Bandcamp which I will link in the description.